Okay, we are ready to continue the Gemara Moed Cotton Tessa Madalif after discussing the uh, the idea of not mixing up simchas and all that was learned from the Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash. So now we uh, go to other teachings that are taught from Sefer Malachim. Since we had to go into Sefer Malachim to talk about the Beis Hamikdash, this is totally unrelated. But it has to do with Sefer Malachim, so we have to put it in somewhere. There's a number of Agadita Gemaras that will run us right up to the Mishnah, or where the Mishnah picked up. Rabbi Yonason ben Am Asmoi, Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim, there are two rabbis, Tonu Parshas Nedorim be Rabbi Shem ben Yochai. They had been studying the portion of vows in the yeshiva of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. Now, why was he called Yehuda ben Gerim? Because he was the son of prophet, uh, 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 Gerim, uh, of converts. Okay, and they were learning uh, either Meseches Nedorim or Parshas Matos that talks about Nedorim. And they're learning by Reb Shimon bar Yochai. Okay, so they stayed for a little while. Now it's time to Iptar Minei Be'urta. So they took leave of him in the evening in other words, they're going to go, they're going to take a night flight out. So they say goodbye to the Rosh Hashiva. However, it ended up, they didn't leave at night, and they stayed overnight. Okay. So they get up the next morning. You think they would just leave. No. Lit Safra in the morning. Hodr come after me. They again took their leave of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. They go a second time. Amr Laho, Rav Shimon Bar said to them, wait a minute. Didn't you already take leave of me last night? Why are you coming in the second time? Amrulo, they said to the Rebbe, Didn't our master teach us? A student who took his leave from his Rebbe, but then happened to Velon Baosa here and ended up staying overnight in that city. You got to take your leave a second time uh, before you're actually going. Shenemar. Now we go to that pasuk with Shlomo Melech and the Beis Hamikdash. Shenemar. It says by Yom Hashmini on the eighth day, Shilach Esoam. He sent out the people by Yevorchu Esamelech, and they blessed the king. So he gave them permission to leave on the eighth day of Sukkot which is the 22nd day of Tishrei. Now, there's a whole issue, that's Shemini Atzeres, how could they leave? But anyway, fine. So he left, he sent them away on the 8th day of Sukkot, which is the 22nd day of Tishrei. Keep that in mind. First day of Sukkot is the 15th, so the 18th is a week later, the 22nd. He sent them, that's one Pasuk, clearly says he sent them away on the 8th day. Uksiv, but it also says in Sefer Divra Hayomim that chronicles events that parallel what happened in the Vim Rishonim. It says, when did he send them away? Ubayom Esrim Vesholosh. And on the 23rd day, Lachodesh Hashvi of the seventh month, Sholach Esam, he sent the people away. So one says he sent them on Shminat Seris, which is the 22nd day of Tishrei. Another Pusik says he sent them away on the 23rd of Tishrei. What's going on? Something must have happened. 
Elamikan, from here we learn, Letalmud Hanifter Merabo, Velonbo Sayir. If a student already took his leave from his Rebbe, but then he happens to sleep overnight in the city, Charchli Potter Memenopam Acheres. They have to leave another time. Why would they take leave the first night? The first time. Sometimes you think you're going to leave and then you end up not leaving. You know. The opposite last night. Yeah, that's right. Something you, you think you're going to leave, and then something happens. Whatever you, you didn't feel well, the car broke down. There's all kinds of things, but in other words, there must be some connection to the actual leaving the city and and saying goodbye to the Rebbe. Now try, try to connect the Rebbe's influence on your trip. When you're in the, can imagine if you're in front of Rabbi Shimbar Yochai, before you leave, you know, he probably gives you a bracha, whatever, and now you go on that trip. You know, it sets the tone for the trip. If you already went to sleep again, you already broke the tone, so you gotta go ahead and start again. That's what you see by Shlomo HaMelech. Yeah, good? Yep. Now, so now, Rabbi Shimbar Yochai, who noticed that these two students were very meticulous in the halacha, that they remembered what the Rebbe told them and they were punctilious in keeping the locha. So Shimon Bar Yochai says to his son, after this experience, you know what, I'm very impressed by these guys. B'nei Odom Halolu Anoshim Shel These men, Rabbi son and Rabbi Yehuda, are men of stature. They are Torah scholars. And therefore, Zil Gabeon Delivrechuchu. Go to them so they should give you a blessing. I guess his son wasn't around for the second goodbye. So I guess he says to his son, you know, I'm really impressed with these guys. And uh, you should get a bracha from them. Again, fascinating. Rav Shimbar Yochai. Everyone's going to him to get brachas. I'm sure he's a good source of brachas. But, you know, you never hurts. Never shall a blessing of a relatively lighter person, uh, insignificant person, be light in our eyes. Anyway... So he went, the son went, and when he catches up to them, he what do you think they're doing when they're on the trip? They're learning Torah. So they were making a, they were trying to answer a contradiction in Psukim. So as he met them, he, 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 he met and they're learning. So he's not gonna interrupt their learning. So he hears what they're discussing. Two verses that seem to contradict each other. And this is a verb first in Mishlei. It says, Pales magal raglecha. Weigh the course of your feet. yikonu. And all your ways will be established. Okay, this implies that if a person has two mitzvahs before him, he should weigh them and perform the greater of the two. Again, weigh the course of your feet. In other words, weigh which way you should go. And all your ways will be established. You should perform the greater mitzvah. And then we have to know what's a major mitzvah, what's a minor mitzvah. That's not such a posher thing. But anyway, you do prioritize mitzvahs. That's one pasuk seems to say that. Uksi, but there's another pasuk, also a mishlei, that says, Orach chaim pentavales. The path of life, lest you weigh. Means you don't weigh two mitzvahs that are determined before you. Rather, the one that comes first is the one you do first. According to the second explanation, the path of life is reference to Torah. Thus, the Pusk means that when it comes to Torah study, one does not weigh anything against it. 
In other words, what he's saying is, it seems as a contradiction. We have an aspect of, well, if you're learning Torah and another mitzvah comes, well, let's weigh and figure out which one should you do, which one is more important. The other one says, no, you don't weigh anything. If you're doing a mitzvah, you do that first. If you're learning Torah, another mitzvah comes up, you don't do the mitzvah, you don't stop learning Torah, no matter what the mitzvah is. It's an apparent contradiction. So they say, Lokasha, it's not a question. It depends on the other mitzvah that comes along your way. Khan, if we're spit one that says, weigh the course of your feet, Khan the mitzvah shef It's referring to a mitzvah that can be done by others. So then one can perform the greater mitzvah himself and leave the smaller one for the other one to fulfill. Whereas there's two mitzvahs. So you so they both gotta get done. So okay, so pick, you, you can't do both, and someone's gonna do the other one, so you might as well take the bigger one. Now, right, that makes sense. On the other hand, can't, but the other situation is, here's the other Pasuk's talking about that one cannot, it's referring to mitzvah, which cannot be performed through others. And it's, it's coming to you, and there's nobody else who can do it. So now you do that mitzvah without weighing it against the second mitzvah to determine which is greater because there's nobody else to do it. Are you already doing the first mitzvah? So you stick with the first mitzvah. So that was one way of resolving it. Huh, then before Rabbi Yonasam ben Asmami and Rabbi Yonasam realized that the son of Shemuchai was waiting for them, so they're still learning. Now, they're not being rude. You have to know, when Sadiqim are learning, the whole world is just they're in a different world. You have stories of Rabbi Vaji Yosef, for example, when uh, Netanyahu had to visit him. So you think the son's going to interrupt Rabbi Vaji's learning? You think the son's going to interrupt him for the prime minister? <laughs> Crazy. So he comes in and he says he's learning. So Netanyahu comes in, the secret service comes in. Like the room is filling up with people. Rabbi Vaji is just focused on the Gemara. Like he's so full, it's not that he's ignoring them. So Netanyahu says, you know, let, let's just see how long this is gonna go on for. <laughs> and it went on for quite a bit of time until finally Ravaj looked up, oh, 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 and this is the one, I'm so sorry, this and that. So it's like they're totally in that world. Now, I know that's very hard for us to relate to because we have, I have at least, very little attention span and I'm not that focused that I wouldn't realize you know, even when I'm working at my desk, an email comes in. I already know there's an email, but uh, to be but to be late. So these rabbis are laser focused. They're talking in Torah. So there's another guy next to them. It's not that they're ignoring him. He, they don't still realize he's there. So Hutter So they inquired another, again with another contradiction in Sukkim. on the one end, it says Regarding the Torah, it's more precious than pearls. And all your desires cannot compare to them. Which, which, which would imply from the fact that it says, uh, It says, your desires, my personal desire does not compare to Torah. What about the desires of heaven when a mitzvah comes along? So in other words, your Torah is more precious than your desires. Yeah, I'd like to... Uh, uh, go to the go to a movie. No, no, no. You learn Torah is more important than your desires. But what if they're not your desires? What if they're Hashem's desires? 
Wow. Then, when it comes to mitzvahs, you have to put aside your Torah learning and do Hashem's desires. The Torah is more important than your desires, but not than Hashem's desires. So the mitzvah comes along while you're learning, you stop learning, you do the mitzvah. Aye, another Pasuk says, Torah is so precious, any desires, implying even God's desires, don't compare to it. Even the desires of heaven don't compare to it. How do you resolve it? Again, the famous answer, when another mitzvah comes along while you're learning and someone else can do the mitzvah, then your Torah learning is more important than anything. Even God's mitzvahs, because there's somebody else who can do it. You're learning. A mitzvah comes along. If somebody else can do it, so let somebody else do it. Why should you stop learning? But but, how about the other person learning Torah as well? He's not learning Torah. We're saying if there's another person who's not learning Torah. You're learning Torah. Somebody, you're learning Torah, the other guy's playing on his Nintendo machine. Now a guy comes in, I have an important mitzvah to do. So go to that guy. He's not learning. Let him do the mitzvah. Or the other guy is working. Let him do the mitzvah. All right? But what if there's no one else? You're the only person there, and there's no one else in the world who can do the mitzvah. Then we're speaking about a mitzvah that cannot be done with others, and therefore you have to stop learning Torah. Okay, so this becomes a very important rule that the Rambam codifies. When a person is learning Torah, you don't stop for almost every mitzvah, except certain mitzvahs like hearing Megillah reading or things like that. I mean, obvious certain things for davening. But if a mitzvah comes along and you're learning Torah, you know, learning Torah is the most important thing. Now, that's assuming somebody else can do it. But if nobody else can do it, then okay, you have to stop. So let's give a, a better example that you know, there are certain times over our, our lives where there were rallies for Jewish causes and important rallies for Jewish causes, not to be minimized. Let's say uh, Russian Jewry was a big thing in the 70s, I think, and there was a lot of pressure brought to bear to Russia and I, the rallies plus other things did make a difference and they eventually got out. Question is, should Yeshiva Bachram go to those rallies? Rashi said no. Why? Because you're the only ones who learn Torah. Let all the people who don't learn Torah uh, and the secular Jews, or even religious, who don't learn Torah, let them go. If it's a Sunday rally, they'll go to work. So there'll be 100,000 people without the Yeshiva Bachram. Okay, with Yeshiva 110, doesn't matter. You have to, there's other people who can do the rallies. Why do you have to go to a rally for? Especially when rallies, the people aren't dressed, sneers and all the other issues that are there. So generally speaking, they don't go to rallies because it's a mitzvah that is, Baruch Hashem, done by others. If it's not possible, then you would stop. Okay, so now finally, they noticed that the two students were there. So Amrulay, so now the Rabbi Yonis of Yehuda uh, uh, realized that... That the son, I'm sorry, the son, I'm sorry, the son of Reb Shimberichai was waiting for them. So my boy is Hacha, what are you doing here? Amr Lo, he said, to Amr Li Abba, because my father told me, zeal, go to them so they should give you a blessing. Okay, so now he's going, they're going to give him an interesting response. Amr so he said, okay, he asked for a blessing. 
Yehei Rava, it should be God's will, the Tizra Velotichzag, that you may sow and not reap. Ta'ayo Velotipok, that you take in and not bring out. Tepok Velotayal, bring out and not take in. Now, the son of Rav Shemberchai did not understand the blessing he was receiving, for he understood the sages referring to business dealings. Thus, he understood that he's saying to him that he should bring in merchandise and be unable to sell it, and that he would spend money for merchandise and not receive it. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, then I finished blessing him. <laughs> let your house be destroyed, <laughs> and let your inn be inhabited. Let your table be disturbed. And may you not see a new year. Okay. Now, there were, now the question is, obviously, he asked them to bless them. They must be blessing them, but obviously it's very veiled <laughs> of what they're saying, and it sounded much more like a curse. So, what, so now why did they do this? Because you'll see in a minute, he's going to go back to his father and, and going to say what happened. And the father's going to explain that what they were saying was actually a blessing. Now, why did they do that? Because this way the boy, the son, will get blessed twice. He got blessed by them because they knew what they meant. And then the father repeats it and then they get a second blessing. That shows you how clever they are. Now, if me or you would go, they wouldn't make such a bracha because we wouldn't be going back to Rav Shimbar Yochai to understand it. So they would tell us a simple bracha. They gave a veiled bracha. And their intention is what counts. What they think is what counts. So they gave them a blessing. But they don't understand it. So you go back to Rav Shimbar Yochai. He says, listen, they want, they, they, let me explain to you what it is. Now the explanation becomes a second blessing. So that's what happens. So now we continue. So now he comes back to his father. Amrlei, he so he first said, "How to go?" Amrlei, lo mi boy de bruchilo bircha. Not only did they not give me a blessing, but they fact caused me pain. Now he didn't say they cursed me, so you can understand that that uh, he understood they didn't curse him, and he knew their intentions were good. But he was pained by the fact he didn't understand what was going on. He never understood what? But they caused me no. But they caused me no. It says I thought not. But they caused me pain. I'm reading the no. So from the fact he did not say to his father, did not say it's not enough. They didn't bless me, but they even cursed me. He didn't say that. So he knew they weren't cursing, but he didn't understand what they were saying. So what did they say to you? So he went, said over what they said. So Amrlei, he says, These are all blessings and let me explain. When he said, Maybe God's will that you sow and not cut means you'll sow, you'll give birth to children. They won't die. You won't have to cut them down, so to speak. When you have crops, you grow them, but then you kill them, so to speak. You kill the crops. You'll have children, and you won't, they won't die. To Ayavotepuk, that you take in and not bring out. 
Ta'ayel Kalsa, that you will take in daughter-in-laws. Veloli Musa Bincha, your children will not die. Delifkon, that they will have to go out. Tepuk Velotayel, you're going to bring out and not take in. Toli Binsa, that you will have daughters who will marry. And their husbands will not die, which will cause you to take them back in. Let your house be straight, let your inn be inhabited. They meant the high alma, this world is compared to an Ushbizach, is compared to an inn. Vahi alma besa, whereas the next world is a permanent house. Okay, Dirsiv, how do I know this? It says in Sehillim, Kirbam Batemulyolam, in their imagination, their houses are forever. Altikra Kirbam, do not read as Kirbam in their imagination. Ella Kivram, but rather read it as Kivram, their graves. So the meaning of the blessing is that their graves should be destroyed, meaning that they should not die, and thus their graves should remain unused. Rather, their in, their life in this world, should last a long time. So the graves are the houses. That's referred to the wicked, who have no merits. So your house, the grave should be destroyed, but the in, the house, you're in the terror place, will be good enough forever for you to be there. Okay, how about, Levalvo Pesach, let your table be disturbed. What does it mean? Baruch Hashem, some of us know what that means. With sons and daughters, we try to make a Shabbos table, and it's crazy. You got, you got so many kids, right? When I, when I was at Pesach, I had all my grandchildren. It was a balagan. It was balagan. You think it was quiet during the seders? It was crazy. Baruch Hashem, that's a bracha. You should have a balagan. And may you not see a new year. What does that mean? The low Thomas and. In that your wife shall not die, below tins of intachrina, and that you may not may, will not have to marry another wife. The new year mentioned in the bracha is a reference to the first year of marriage. It says when a man marries a new wife, he shall be be from his home for one year. So that you should not be blessed with a new year, meaning to say the new year because you had your first wife die, and now you need a new year with your second wife. So now that we have a story with one rabbi leaving a rabbi getting blessings, we'll have another story like this. Rav Shimba took his leave from Rav. Rav Shimba was a son of Rebbe and an Amora, unlike Rav Yosef Mechalavta, who was a Tana. Okay, so anyway, he was, it's interesting. So he was a student of Rebbe. So he goes and he leaves him. Amar lay. Avuha. So Rav said to his son, Zil legabe, go after and Levach, that he should bless you. Same story with Shem Bar Yochai. So look at the blessing he gave them. Amar lei, he said, Yehei Rava, it should be Hashem's will. Delo tevayesh, that you not embarrass others. Velo tisbayesh, and that you should not be embarrassed by others. Okay. Mean to say, do not come to embarrass others so that you yourself will not become embarrassed. Okay, does that sound like such a great bracha? He then came back to his father. Amrle, the father said to him, My Amrlach, what did he say to you? Amrle, he said, Meal and Ordinary words, nothing special. 
So he told him what he said. Amalei, he said, what are you talking about? He blessed you the same blessing that Hashem gave the Jewish people and he repeated the bracha that Hashem gave the Jews. Don't say it's a small bracha. What are you talking about? What's that? What's the bracha Hashem gave to the Jewish people? In Sefer Yoel. And you shall eat. Okay. Eating, the sofa, and being satisfied, the hilaltam, and you will praise, and, Pasuk goes on, Vloyevoshu Amiliolam, and my people will not be shamed ever again, Vidatem, and then you will know, that I am in the midst of the Jewish people. So, what does that mean? And also, Vloyevoshu Amiliolam, and my people will not be shamed evermore. So since the second praise says, my people will not be shamed evermore, which is extra, we can mean that means you won't embarrass others as well, and you'll avoid being embarrassed. So obviously, Hashem is making a blessing. It is a big blessing never to be embarrassed from other people. Okay, we've got less enough time to do another little shtickle. The Mishnah, now finish with Agatha, and just go to very simple ideas. So what can a woman do on Cholomoid? She can make her adornments. She can beautify herself on Cholomoy. Makeup in this. So exactly what are the adornments? We learned in the rise of the following. These are the adornments that women are allowed to do, which are pretty obvious. She can paint her eyes, put eye, eye makeup on. And she parts her hair. She smooths the hair. She applies rouge on her face to give her a reddish complexion. I mean, some say, She passes a razor over the lower body hair below the belt over there, and that makes her beautiful. Fine, these are the things a woman can do. Interesting story now. The wife of Rav Chista, was adorning herself in front of her daughter-in-law during Cholomoid, and that's one of the things that you're allowed to do. So why was she doing in front of her daughter-in-law to say that although she's an older woman who had married children, she still did this. So now, Yosef Ravuna Bar Chanina Ravuna Bar was sitting before Rav Chista. The Yosef the Kamar, and while he was seated, he said the following, when did we say that a woman takes care of her makeup? Lo in respect to a young woman, because a young woman is very uh, worried about her appearance. Listen to this, guys. Tell this to your wives. But an older woman is not permitted to put makeup on because they don't care about their looks. So how did your wife go and put on makeup before going to shul or whatever, before Ancholomoid? How could that be? Listen to the answer. He responded of Chista. Hello, Kim. By God, in other words, I, I'm, I'm telling you, Afilu Imcha, even your mother, Afilu Ima of Imcha, and even your grandmother, Afilu Menas Al Kivra, even a woman who's standing on her grave, meaning she's very old, she's allowed to put the makeup on. Why? Dami, there's an aphorism that people say. Dami Inchi, Bashishim Kabashish Lekol Tavlarata. A six-year-old woman is like a six-year-old in that they run to the sound of the bells. 
In other words, wedding bells that are played, the music at a wedding. Just like a six-year-old runs to a wedding, so does a 60-year-old. In other words, older women always feel that they look beautiful or can look beautiful. So therefore, definitely should do it. They definitely should put on their makeup. Not, not yet want to tell your wives, what did you learn today? He said, go put your makeup on. Stick with your beautiful. That's better. All right.